0: Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ruth, please. The book of Ruth. We're going to read the first 18 verses. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. In the name of his two sons, Melon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. And the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Melon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother in law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister in law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister in law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. This morning, I'm going to share some thoughts about something. I was thinking about this much earlier. Share some thoughts about something that just about everybody wants to get. And very few are willing to give. And you know what that is? That's commitment. Commitment. You know, many times when, especially we see in our world today, that there's often little commitment in the husband-wife relationship. And that causes so many problems. Half of marriages, even among quote-unquote Christian people, and in divorce today. You know, I think about the sports world for some reason that... All of these teams expect their players to be committed to them, but they'll trade them at a moment's notice to get somebody better. I think about employers. We've been through this, haven't we? I think about employers who expect you to be committed to them and committed to your job, but it doesn't take anything for them to decide that uh, we're just ending your job and we're going to go a different direction. So everybody wants to see commitment. Commitment. Few people want to give it. Well, we're going to look at an example of a committed life this morning. We're all familiar, I suppose, with the life and the account of Ruth. It's a wonderful account. I don't want to call it a story because a lot of times when we refer to things in the Bible as stories, some people get the idea, well, it's just a story. But this really happened. Now there are people that will look at the book of Ruth and say, Oh, isn't it a wonderful? love story. Well, it's so much more than that. Maybe that's all you see. If that's all you see, that's a very shallow understanding of this book of Ruth. Here's the bigger picture. Here's a lost sinner who through divine providence is brought into a relationship with God and is made an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture right there? We are taught in this book that Jesus is not just the Savior of Israel, He's the Savior of all mankind. He came for everybody. And in these verses and throughout this book of Ruth, we see a tremendous example of a steadfast and a committed life. Ruth teaches us about being faithful even when things are difficult even when times are trying and even when other people around us are not committed, even when other people around us are not being faithful. So again, we're going to see an example of a committed life. We're going to start, we're going to pick up with verses 1 and 2 because in verses 1 and 2, what we see is that Ruth's future mother-in-law, she's not mother-in-law yet, Ruth's future mother-in-law, Naomi, and her husband, Elimelech, By the way, the name Elimelech, and I think this is important to what's being recorded here, the name Elimelech means God is king. And yet Elimelech left the land of Israel and went into, and we're going to talk more about this in a moment, a condemned nation of sinners called Moab. And they settled down there with their two sons, Malon and Chilion. You know, Malon means sickness, and Chilion means consumption. Now, ladies, how would you like to marry a man named sickness or a man named consumption? That'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? But that's what the two names of Ruth's sons mean. And the scripture says in verse 2, they went to Moab and they continued there. That means they settled down there. They just existed and stayed there. Now, some have suggested that when Elimelech went to Moab, he didn't intend to stay for a very long time. And at least 10 years, the scripture tells us, at least 10 years they stayed there in Moab. Many years ago, I heard this little saying, if I can remember it this morning, but a little saying went something this way. I can't remember all of it now. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay and sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And so there's a good picture of what happens when God's people get into sin. You know, it sounds like so many families today, so many so-called Christian families today. Many times what will happen is that the husband who is supposed to be you know, as I said, supposed to be the spiritual leader in the home, that's God's design, will lead his family away from God. Lead his family away from serving God, sometimes into an idolatrous land, just like Moab was. And those children, their children, his sons, his daughters, end up marrying people of that idolatrous land. Or they'll leave a true church where the word of God is being preached where the truth is being declared and they'll go to some other church because they like the one down the street better or it has more to offer for the kids or or something like that and does not preach the truth. Or, hey, I can make more money if I move to this place. Well, there aren't any scriptural churches there, but that's okay. We'll have family devotionals. You know how long that lasts? Many times not very long. We'll move to this place. I can make much more money and they will just forsake the spiritual needs of their children. What happened when Naomi and Elimelech got to Moab and had been there a while? Elimelech died. Now I don't know whether that's God's chastisement on him or I don't know whether he just caught some disease there in Moab. But Elimelech died and when he died he left his wife and his sons in a cursed land of idol worshipers without the leadership for that family that God intended. Men, we have a responsibility to our families, but most of all, we have a responsibility to God. To lead our families according to the word of God. To lead our families in the things of God. Let me ask this question. It occurred to me as I was preparing this message: Have we led our homes, men, in such a way that if God were to call us to our heavenly home today, that we wouldn't have to worry about whether or not our families were going to continue on and faithfully serve God after we were gone? Amen. It ought to be that way. We're going to see in this message this morning how. God worked in spite of Elimelech's disobedience, and I believe it was disobedience for him to leave and go into Moab, in spite of his disobedience, sometimes in spite of our failure to obey him, how God can take our failures and through his providence get glory for himself. First of all, we look at what I call Ruth's condition in the first seven verses. She's, as I said, a resident of a condemned nation. She was a Moabite. Do you know who the Moabites were? Where did the Moabites come from? Well, the Moabites were descendants of Lot and the incestuous relationship which he had with his daughters after Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. If you recall, God told Lot, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy it with fire and brimstone from heaven. And you take your two unmarried daughters because what did his two married daughters say when Lot told them and their husbands what God had planned for Sodom. The scripture says he seemed as one who mocked. In other words, they'd say, oh, daddy, God bringing judgment. You know that's not, we've lived here a long time. That's not going to happen. That was the attitude of those two married daughters and their husbands. So God says, take your unmarried daughters and take your wife and go into the mountain and don't look back. And we know what Lot's wife did. She looked back. She became a pillar of salt. They get up in the mountain, and in the mountain, Lot's daughters decided that the end of all mankind on the earth had come. Now, I wondered about that. When they thought that, were they thinking about what happened during the flood? That the flood, they're not too far removed from the days of the flood of Noah. And so were they thinking that, hey, God's punished this earth once. He's going to do it again. And they thought that the end of all mankind on the earth had come. And they said, here's what we need to do. We need to have children. And the only one here is our daddy. And so they got Lot drunk. And they had children with their father. And that's where the Moabites came from. And many of the other ites of that land. The Moabites were idol worshippers. They were enemies to the Israelites. It was the Moabite king, Balak, who hired Balaam to curse the Israelites when they were coming from Egypt and headed to the Promised Land. And when Balaam couldn't curse them, Balak followed the prophet's advice and tried to get Israel to intermarry with the Moabites. That's who the Moabites were. They wanted to destroy Israel and bring them into Baal worship. And in fact, they did bring some of them into Baal worship. And here's what God had to say about the Moabites in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 and 4. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their 10th generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever, because they met you not with bread and water in the way, when you came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pithor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. So here's where Ruth's coming from. (laughs) <laughs> this is her heritage. This is her ancestry. And her condition was a desperate condition. She's lost. She's a lost sinner. She grew up in this land of Moab. She worshipped the idols of Moab. There's only two kinds of sinners in the world today. Lost and saved. You know, even though we're saved, we're not perfect, right? Amen. Every child of God we're either guilty of the sin of commission or omission sometimes. We're saved, we're going to heaven, but we're not perfect. But then there are those who have never repented toward God and put their faith in Jesus Christ the Savior. You know what, I, for those of us who are saved, I'm just so thankful for 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that when we do sin against God, If we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us, the scripture says, from all unrighteousness. But here's Ruth, a picture of every person who is outside of a saving relationship that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in him. Listen, if you're lost this morning, if you've never repented toward God and put your faith in Christ, you stand condemned before God right now. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The condemnation fell upon mankind because of the sin of Adam. Romans 5.12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So everyone who is a descendant of Adam, which kind of gets all of us, doesn't it? Is born a sinner separated from God by that sin. And if you die in that condition, you will be separated from God for all eternity. John chapter 3, verse 36, he that believeth on the Son, talking about Jesus, hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John chapter 3, verse 18, he that believeth on him, talking about Jesus again, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's only one way to escape being a lost sinner and to become a saved child of God who sometimes sins against God, and that is by repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. Now we see in verse 4 what happens. Here's this Moabite, Ruth, and she meets up with one of Naomi's sons. And Ruth and Orpah marry Malon and Chilion. They marry sickness and consumption. And the scriptures, they took them wives of the women of Moab. Now, I don't know whether they did that out of desperation, we're here in Moab and we want a wife, and all around is these Moabite women, so that's what we'll do. Or if they did it in rebellion against God, or against their parents. You know, some young people get married in rebellion against their parents, don't they? That never ends up well. So I don't know whether they did it for that reason, or if they just did it out of ignorance. They just saw all these women, and everything I've read in the Word of God seems to indicate that Ruth was a very nice-looking woman. And so they, one of these boys saw her and married her. And so they got married. But they got married in spite of God's commands. They were not to marry Moabites. They were not to marry any of those idol worshippers of the land. God had said so. And yet they did it. And then sickness and consumption died. Malon and Shilion both died. We just read that here in the word of God. So think about this. Now, Naomi, who followed her husband faithfully into this land, into this cursed land, Naomi is left in a cursed and foreign land. She doesn't have her husband. She doesn't have either of her sons. All she has is these two Moabite widows and has no hope and no support for the future. See, that's the way it was for women back then. I hear a lot of people condemn Christianity and and they say when we try to give God's order from the home for the Bible, oh, you know, that's just, uh, that's old-fashioned, that's out of the way now and that sort of thing. Listen, Jesus Christ raised the state of women in this world. He certainly did. And so be thankful for Jesus. But they're in a terrible situation. They're in a time of a terrible trial. And again, I think we see a picture of people today. We see people today living in this world. They're in a time of trial. They're in a time of difficulty. The Word of God tells us that that's what life is. It's filled with trials. It's filled with difficulties. Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And so we're surrounded by people. We who are saved are surrounded by people like Ruth and like Orpah. And like all of those residents of Moab, we're surrounded by them in the world today. They need Christ as Savior. Upon hearing that the famine's over, Naomi decides she's going to go home. I'm going to go back to Israel. And so it seems right now, I said, Jesus raised the standard in the state of women. Because right at this point, you know what's left for Orpah and Ruth? All that they have left is that they should return home to their fathers and hope that some other man will marry them. That's all that's left for them. Now, Naomi's getting ready to leave. And her two daughters-in-law say, Listen, we're going to go with you. Now, this is purely conjecture on my part. But I just wonder if the life that Naomi lived did not have some effect, especially in a time of tragedy, especially when Naomi lost Elimelech, especially when she lost Malon and Chilion, if the way she reacted and her faith in God didn't show something to these Moabite women and they said, we're going to go with you. It may even be possible that while they're there in this condemned land, that Naomi continued to talk about God. Continue to witness God. Listen, we live in a condemned world, but we can tell people about Jesus Christ. We still have, whether they want you to believe it or not, we still have, and whether Facebook lets you, we still have freedom of speech in America today. I just had to get that dig in. We still have freedom of speech in this nation. And we still can freely go out and tell people there's some countries where you can't do that. You get arrested for that, but not in America, not yet, not today. And you can tell people about the saving power of Jesus Christ. But whatever the case, what is worthy to note is that these women said, we're going to go with Naomi. We're going to listen to her. We're going to follow her and go back to Israel. See, our reaction, even in times of trial, even in times of difficulty, if we will react in a godly way, if we'll react in a biblical way, we can have a great effect. In the lives of other people. We have some trial. We have some tragedy. We have some difficulty. And if we will just praise God and glorify God. And live for God in it. Then we can have a powerful effect in the lives of others. If we'll put God first in our lives. And seek his glory above everything else. We'll be able to live for him. We'll be able to witness of him. And we'll be able to have some influence. Among our circle. That we touch. Now, if you don't believe that, there's a couple of books you need to read. Now, you're going to suffer for your faith sometimes, but just read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read the history of the evangelical churches of the valleys of Piedmont. Difficult reading, but it, bring, it tells us what a people dedicated to God can do. i tell you what, better than that, read the Bible. Amen. Read the Word of God and see the examples and the accounts of these people who live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 10, we get to verse 10, they said, surely we'll return with thee unto thy people. Again, they make this decision. It's a conscious decision, Naomi. We want to go back with you. They just didn't follow blindly. They said, we want to go back to Israel with you. They're going to go to a new life. And you know, that's how a new life begins. That's how the life in Christ begins, by a conscious decision to turn, to confess that you're a sinner separated from God and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody hears the gospel. The Holy Spirit convicts their hearts. Hey, I'm lost. If I die in this condition, I'm going to go to hell. I need to be saved. And so they come to someone who can tell them how to be saved. And we tell them, it's this very simple. Repent toward God. Put your faith in Christ. That's what Paul preached. That's what Peter preached. That's what Jesus preached. Repentance toward God and faith in Christ. You turn to him and you trust him and he will save your soul. And they make that decision to do that. And they enter into the new life and they were supposed to leave the old life behind. You see, nobody is ever saved accidentally. I've shared with you before, I was watching a televangelist one time, I'm not gonna call his name, I don't know if he's alive or dead anymore. But he held up his Bible and said, how many of you believe the Bible? And people raised their hands. He said, how many of you believe that Jesus is the son of God? People raised their hands. Of course, in a religious crowd, they're gonna do that, right? And then he said, some of you don't know it, but you just got saved. There's a word for that, baloney. Amen. We are not saved accidentally. We are saved through a conscious decision to repent toward God and to trust Christ. And by the way, you'll not inherit salvation from your parents or your grandparents. Amen. A lot of people think that, well, no, it doesn't work that way. It is a personal individual decision and God will not force someone to be saved if they don't want to be saved. God will do everything he can to convict people of their lost condition and the need to be saved, but he will not force you to be saved. But the starting point is a conscious decision to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. And we must be sure that we indeed have decided to follow Jesus. Now Ruth faces a challenge. You look at verses 8 through 15. They begin their journey. And what does Naomi do? She says, y'all go back. Don't follow me. Y'all go back. She's praised that the Lord will bless them, but she wants to send them away. She says, go back to your mothers. Go back to your people. Go back to your home. You know, sometimes if we're not careful. Even we as God's people can direct people away from the will of God. Sometimes our lives can direct people away from the will of God. There's so many lessons to learn from this book of Ruth. Naomi tries to get them to turn around and go back. We need to listen. Instead of listening to other people, here's what we need to listen to. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. That's who we need to listen to, okay? This boils down to a challenge to the commitment that's been made by these two women. We're going to follow you. Surely, the, verse 10 says, we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi saying, give up that resolve to follow me. Go back to your old life. Go back to that life, to heathenism, that life of wickedness. You know, every day you and I are challenged by the world, the flesh, and the devil to forget the commitment that we made to God through Jesus Christ. The world will do its best to cause a child of God to give up, to quit, to surrender and say, okay, I've had enough, and there are so many apparently that do. You know, the many, many, even in this church, many, many people who have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, but they have never lived it out. Oh, they may have tried it for a while. They'd have tried it for a few years. Well, it didn't work out for me. I can't see that it's making me any wealthier. It's making me any more of a success in my life, and so I'll just give it up. That's just the world and the flesh and, and the devil working on us. I hope when you were saved, you didn't just accept salvation as a get-out-of-hell-free card. Amen. I hope when you, if you're truly saved, I hope that when you were saved, you said, I'm making a commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm not just accepting his salvation that he offers, but I am making a commitment to him. Satan would like nothing more than to destroy our testimony by causing us to leave that commitment. And how we respond to these challenges says a whole lot about the degree of our commitment. I have included in the bulletin today the story, and thanks to Brother Rick, he posted this on Facebook, and when I read it, I said, I've got to share that. other Brother Rick, But in the bulletin is the history. And I want you to read it. I'm not gonna take time to read it to you today, but read it. The history of the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. But listen to the words. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back no turning back. My cross, I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross, I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross, I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back back. Did you make that commitment when you were saved? Or did you just say, I don't want to go to hell and so I'll trust Jesus. Also in these verses, we see Ruth's heart put on display. Again, verses 10 through 13, Naomi tries to persuade these women to go home. I have no more sons for you to marry. And even if I remarried and had children, would you really wait around for my boys to grow up to be old enough for you to marry them? I mean, by that time, these women would be 20 plus years older than the men they married. So here's another attempt to get them to go back to their families. See, the thing is, if we don't respond to one of Satan's challenges, you know what he'll do? He'll circle around and come back with another one. He'll come back with another proposal. Hey, why don't you try this? Or he'll bring in some criticism or whatever it may be from another angle to try to get us to turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you accept the challenges that you face as a child of God on a daily basis? You know, again, many people react by just saying, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with the Christian life. I'm going to go ahead and live my life. You see it happening. I've seen it as a pastor. You can see people, if you pay attention, you can see people grow colder and colder and colder and colder. Somebody said one time, and I've used this in bulletins before, somebody said, Christians are like old cars. They miss a lot before they quit altogether. Okay. And so we see people growing cold and turning away from God. But we ought to meet the challenges that we face the way Job did. You know, Job lost his fortune, he lost his family, he even lost his friends. Job 1:20 20 through 21 says this. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and did what? Worshiped. Job, you've lost everything. Have you lost your mind too? You're worshiping God. Here's what he said. Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job knew God was over everything. God gave it to me. God can take it. It's his to give. It's his to take. We know the end of Job's story that at the end God blessed Job greatly. But Job was willing to say, Lord, not my will... But your will be done in my life. Look at the responses of these women. Orpah heard the speech from Naomi. She kissed her mother in law and she went back to her family. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people like Orpah. It doesn't take much to cause some people to leave the Lord and go back to the old ways. You know what they do? They draw a big question mark over their salvation. Did Orpah really mean it when she said to Naomi, I'm going to go back with you? Or was she just parroting what Ruth had said? So it draws a question mark over what she was saying. Professed believers like these expect life to be easy, never face any problems. Listen, when you were saved, you did not enter a Sunday school picnic. You entered a war. This is warfare, not with people. But with the prince and power of the air and, and all of the things that the word of God talks about, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare. I've seen people get the itch to go somewhere else. I've seen people get the itch to quit. And listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. See, the problem with Orpah, And the problem with people who just quit is a heart that's still filled with love for the old gods and the old ways. Never have given up the old ways and the old gods. Orpah was still a Moabite head heart. She had not had a changed heart. Some who profess Christ as Savior need a heart transplant. Some who say they're saved need to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you change your heart? True repentance and faith in Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's some folks who are religious. They've walked an aisle, They've been dunked in some water. They've carried a Bible. They've sat in church for just a little while, and they think that's going to get them to heaven. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils or demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew ye depart from me, ye that work iniquity. After Orpah leaves, Ruth clings to Naomi. Naomi. In fact, what it says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth Ruth cleave unto her. That word cleave is an interesting word. It means to cling or adhere. But in the Aramaic, it means this to stick to, to stick closer, or to solder. Have you ever soldered anything? Some of you may not have, but I've having worked around electronics and built things that didn't work sometimes, <laughs> uh learned how to solder. And that's how you make a tight joint. That's how you make things stay together. And that's what this word means. Ruth was soldered to her mother-in-law. And it gives us a glimpse into Ruth's heart. It's a heart of absolute commitment. absolutely commitment to her mother-in-law. I said, in my days, I've seen people get the itch to quit, get the itch to go somewhere else. And I tell you what, it's contagious. I was pastoring a church one time. We had a whole lot of young adults. And slowly, young adults quit coming. And even the daughter of one of the deacons quit coming. And we had, she happened to be there one night, we had a testimonial service, and she stood up. And she said, you know, I began to look around and everybody else was quitting. And she said, so I thought I would too. She knew it wasn't right, but she was just doing what the, we follow the crowd. Amen. And that's what she wanted to do. And she got out of church and got out of serving the Lord. It is contagious. Maybe they think, well, maybe those folks that are leaving know something or whatever it is. But I think the ultimate issue is in the heart. I think sometimes folks join a church with expectations that aren't biblical too. But instead of driving us away from our commitments, the challenge of life should cause us to cleave to the Lord more strongly. Here's what Ruth demonstrates. She had a heart that was given to Naomi. Naomi. She loves her mother-in-law, she is going to follow her mother-in-law, her heart has been changed. She's going to follow her mother-in-law to a new Lord, a new land, she's gonna live a new life. She's making that commitment. Those who will cleave to the Lord and faithfully serve him through one of his churches give evidence that they've had a heart change, that they know Christ as Savior. Right Right quickly, and I have to do this quickly, We're going to look at her commitment because in verse 16, just look at verse 16. First thing she does, she commits to a new land. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee for whether thou goest, I will go. You lead the way. I am willing to follow you. There's another song that I wanted to share very quickly. Just some of the words of it. Because here's what those who cleave to the Lord faithfully serve him through one of his churches are doing. It's the commitment of the words of the song, wherever he leads, I'll go. Listen to this. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. She commits to a new land. She commits to a new leadership. Look back at verse 16 again. Whether thou goest, I will go, and whether thou lodgest, I will lodge, and thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my God. She's willing to allow Naomi to guide her life. Listen, as children of God, we ought to be willing to let God, through the Holy Spirit, guide our lives. Naomi is going to give Ruth some instruction and advice and so forth uh, how to, uh, according to the customs and, uh, and the lands of Israel and the law of the Lord. See, prior to our salvation, we were under the leadership of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen. we got a new owner now. And his name is God. And we ought to be willing to follow him. She commits to a new lifestyle. Again, there in verse 16, she's willing to give up the ways of Moab. To conform to the ways of the people of Israel. See, once we come to know Christ as Savior, we ought to be willing to think differently. What to be willing to live differently, Live according to the Word of God. Second Corinthians 5:17: "Therefore, if any man be in a Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new." A different priority. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is it good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A new lifestyle. She commits to a new lineage. She's cutting all ties with Moab. She's leaving her mother and father. Orpah went back. Ruth is leaving. She's ready to claim a new lineage and be a part of a nation into which she is married. When we were saved, we became children of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, folks. We've got a new lineage. We have a new father, God. And we have a new family, the family of God. And we have a new church family when we come to know Christ as Savior. She commits to a new Lord. And this is perhaps the greatest Statement that she makes here in verse 16, she says, Thy God is going to be my God. She is declaring her faith in Jehovah God. That's it. Not trusting anything else. I'm going to trust God. She's giving up the gods. She was raised with the gods of Moab. She was raised making sacrifice to the gods of Moab and worshiping those gods. And she says, No. I'm going to worship God and I'm going to serve him. We ought to be willing to publicly declare our faith in Jesus Christ anytime we have an opportunity. Amen. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. And I can tell you how to become one too. She commits with no limits. Listen to what she tells Naomi here. Where thou diest, I will die and thou will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part thee And me, she said, Naomi, I'm committed to you for life. And if anything but death breaks that commitment, may God, I'm just bringing the curse of God down upon me. If anything but death breaks that commitment that I have made to you. Which causes me to wonder how many of God's people have made that kind of commitment to the Lord. Lord, I'm committing to you. And if anything but death breaks that commitment, Lord, you just bring down on me what you need to bring me down. I'm just, I'm saying this before God. You know, I've told you, it's been 12 years ago now, in a time of difficulty. I said, Lord, I don't care what happens, no matter what comes, I'm going to serve you. I didn't go through what Job did. Just went through a little inconvenience for a while but I felt I needed to make that commitment. Folks, I want to make that commitment always before God. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. As we consider the commitment of Ruth this morning, the commitment she made to Naomi, it paints a picture for the commitment that we ought to be willing to make to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we haven't made it, we need to make it now. If we've made it and we've not kept it, we need to remake it to him, to cut all ties with the old life, the old ways, and enter into a new land of blessing that the Lord would give us. Ruth lived a committed life. She became the great grandmother of King David, and she became an ancestor of Jesus Christ. God blessed her for her commitment because she was unwilling to change her mind. She was unwilling to change her devotion. She was unwilling to change her direction. She didn't give up, but she kept on going in the face of adversity. I'm going to close with a question. Are you willing to do the same? That's what the Lord's churches need today is people who say, Lord, I don't care what happens. I'm serving you. Have you given not just your heart, but your life to Jesus? You know, I hear preachers say, oh, just invite Jesus into your heart. Let me tell you, do it a different way. Give your heart to Jesus in salvation. And he'll come into your heart. Okay? And he'll come into your life and he will lead your life. Are you willing to say what Ruth said to Naomi? Whatever... Wherever, whenever, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to follow you and to serve you, regardless of what people say, regardless of who tries to get me not to follow you. Lord, I'm willing to follow you today. And I want to do what you want me to do.